0: It is another week of Around the Nest, jay-talking our way around the Blue Jays minor league system from uh, AA New Hampshire to A Advanced Dunedin to AAA Buffalo and to Single-A Lansing. I'm Jesse goldberg Strassler, the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, and we'll be joined by the voices of the affiliates. The lieutenant, voice of the people, Tyler Murray with New Hampshire, Jim Tarabokia with the DJs, Pat Malacaro with the Buffalo Bisons, the Herd, and Dante DiCaria, who joins me for Lansing Lugnuts games. Let's begin this week Talking some double A Fisher Cats action. 2 2 pitch, swinging a high fly left field. Back to the wall goes Daza. This one's gone.
1: Max Padakoff, his first double A blast, and the Fisher Cats are on the board. It's 3 1, the 11th overall pick from the 2014 draft. Making his presence known
0: in New Hampshire. He's not cheated on that one. That was Bob Lipman at the very end, but Tyler Murray on the call and he joins us now, voice of the Fisher Cats. Tyler, how are you, sir?
1: Jesse, I'm doing very well. Really happy to be back in the Around the Nest Circle for uh, another season. Uh, Thank you again for putting it all together
0: we lead off with you. There's a player going right from New Hampshire, right up to the Major Leagues. Lourdes Gurriel, what did you see from him this year compared to the Guriel that you saw last year? He seemed healthy. He seemed locked in. Uh, just
1: compared to what we saw him for about a month or so last season, he never really got into that full rhythm. Wound up hitting about 240 at the end of last year, but I mean, right away he he was producing out of the cleanup spot for the Fisher Cats and I mean, I couldn't think of any better protection for Bo Bichette hitting second and Vlad Guerrero hitting third than a red-hot Lourdes Gurriel to start the season. His situation, obviously, a little unique with the contract he has. He's 24 already. There's definitely a pedigree there to where if he had any kind of sustained success, they were really ready to move him up quickly, and uh, we saw it here. He a seven-game hitting streak. He's got multiple hits in plenty of games, and uh, he's on base now, Jesse, in all 12 of his double-A outings. So, I mean, very few holes in his game offensively this year. So um, if there's room for him, I, I like the move to, to send him all the way up to, to the bigs. He's, uh, I think he's old enough. I think he's ready to go, and uh, it's a, a really
0: exciting day for him. Of the players with New Hampshire, there's so many guys to talk about. Lourdes Gurriel, the starting lineup, Vladdy, Bo. So let's talk pitching, shall we?
1: Yes, great idea.
0: The uh, That was kind of the big wild card this year, right? Uh,
1: last year, all the talk about New Hampshire was, you know, they've got six of the top eight prospects, and a lot of those names were starting pitchers, uh, John Harris, Sean Reed Foley, Connor Green. Now we've got two of those guys still here, John Harris and Sean Reed Foley, and I think a lot of folks expected bounce-back years for them, and they're getting it so far. Reed Foley, he showed flashes of what he could be, in last season's kind of up and down year. But so far, all we're seeing is that kind of dominance this season. Only two starts, both against last place Hartford, but only given up two runs in 12 and a third innings with 10 strikeouts. Uh, three walks on opening day may be a bit of a, a concern, but I mean, Sean Reef Foley is pitching like we heard he could pitch two years ago in Dunedin, just the shutdown, lockdown guy who, when he's out there, you feel confident because his stuff is so nasty. The fastball is finding its movement, and most importantly, it's finding the strike zone with a little more consistency. Um, And our friends from up north will love to hear that Jordan Romano out of Markham, Ontario, or uh, Romano, I guess as it's pronounced, uh, north of the border, he's been lights out his last two starts, one run allowed in 14 innings, and apparently yesterday during the morning game, uh, Vince Horseman, the pitching coach, told me that he didn't even think Romano was that sharp. He walked three guys, yes, but seven innings, one run, two hits. Uh, Romano was kind of a, a question mark, Jesse, in the rotation. We, we kind of know what we're getting from the rest of the guys, but if he's going to be able to pitch this well, I mean, this, uh, this rotation might be right up there with as good as this lineup is.
0: It's funny you mention the pronunciation because I try to pronounce guys' names the way that they want it pronounced, the way that they pronounced mm-hmm. it. And so I remember two starts with the lug nuts. I would say Jordan Romano on the mound.
1: We, uh, we asked him before the season, and uh, he said Romano is fine. So uh, that's what we're going with. But I think it warrants a
0: follow-up, so uh, I'm glad you brought it up. He was a catcher turned closer and a starting pitcher and an ace rising up. Let's talk Vladdy. Let's talk Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's taken the Eastern League by storm. You heard about the headlines. You read everything you could. What have you seen?
1: Well, he's got just such a great approach at the plate. You, you see in the box score, of course, last year having more walks than strikeouts, which uh, just doesn't happen for a guy with his kind of power, but... Uh, it is just the way he approaches every at-bat. I, I think uh, we mentioned this story a few times on the air for those listening, but he, uh, his first extra inning opportunity this year, of course, as everyone knows with the runner on second to start, uh, he chose on his own to bunt a guy to third because he knew how well Lourdes Gurriel was hitting behind him. And Lourdes hit a triple to knock in the eventual game-winning run. Kevin Vigio added another with, with a double shortly after. But uh, his feel for the game... Um, and same for Bo you, you always uh, forget, watching them play, watching them lead, that these are 19- and 20-year-old kids. And uh, I think that's the most exciting part, aside from the, the pure numbers themselves. So uh, Vlad's been on base in all but one game so far, and uh, yeah, it's not, uh, not a coincidence. He knows how to affect games uh, more than just hitting home runs, more than just showing off the power. He, uh, he really is a complete player,
0: at least from what we've seen so far. The word about that sacrifice fund, it hit, it hit Twitter, and suddenly New Hampshire was getting excoriated. Did anybody, <laughs> did John Schneider come out? Did Schneider say, that wasn't me?
1: <laughs> well, Schneider, uh, I don't think he's too concerned about the Twitterverse, although he is uh, the youngest manager we've ever had at age 38. Um, he was talking of lot afterwards asking, why, uh, why did you bunt? And then he got that explanation. So uh, Schneider told Vlad apparently before that at-bat, hey, go ahead and drive him in from second base. Swing away. Uh, but uh, Vlad had, uh, had other plans, and it worked out best for the team.
0: You can find Tyler Murray on Twitter at LT2 underscores, underscore, underscore, Murray, one of the voices of the New Hampshire Fishercats. Don't get him confused with any other Tyler Murrays who love the New York Knicks. that's true I'm trying to streamline my my Twitter account a little bit Fishercats only these days nhfishercats.com follow the Fishercats and all their exploits now with that Lord Escorial but still the Vladdy the Bo Show and everybody else J.D. Davis and more and that great pitching Tyler thank you very much for checking in
1: Jesse you got two nicknames for me Lieutenant and the voice of the people spread it around a little bit you're so creative I'd love to hear eventually what you got for uh, Jim and Pat and the whole gang by the end of the season
0: We've got Jim coming up next. Would you like to introduce him with the nickname?
1: Um, Jim JT Terabokia, who reminds me of uh, Hank Azaria's character in that IFC television show about sportscasters. What's that? Uh, Brockmire. Jim Brockmire Terabokia. Take it away, guys.
2: I mean, I lo- I mean that's just kind of funny. I love Brockmire. That's such a good show. Um, I got better hair than he does. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm in better shape than he is, but I think he's hilarious, so I, I, that's a great compliment from Tyler. Thank you very much. And by the way, Tyler, I don't know if he's still on, but um, now he's seeing what it's like with Bo and Vladdy every single day. It is a freaking blast.
0: You had the chance to hang out, your DJs, with the rehabbing Anthony Alford and Dalton Pompey. How was that?
2: I mean, Anthony's great man. He's he's a guy who is just a steady Eddie. He's a high character guy. Watching him swing, you know, it's just a powerful, full body type swing. He tested out the hamstring the other night, uh, legging out a double on what should have been a single back up the middle. So that speed is obviously there uh, still. Never really really went away, and uh, the hamstring looks healthy. So. I mean, they really helped us uh, win the other night as well. Dalton Pompey had three RBIs, or maybe four when he was here. Anthony was a tone setter at the top of the order. So they helped us pick up a couple of wins against Fort Myers, taking two of three in that series. And, uh, I mean, I love talking to those two guys, man. They're great. I just wish I, you know, wouldn't see them as often. You know, cause I, want, I want them healthy, you know, up at higher levels. Uh, not here, but when they are here, it's an absolute pleasure
0: another great guy that you've got who's been swinging a hot bat how has it been to watch nash night
2: oh great i love nash you know i mean i was talking to him last night about football he's a big cowboys fan and me being from philly of course so um first of all great great young man great kid and uh he's he's you know i, I think you know this um you know he's an underdog to me he's got a big chip on his shoulder because he was undrafted out of dallas baptist university and you know we talk a lot about you know, the big time guys who are first rounders, second rounders, high signing bonus guys, but he was undrafted. And to see the success that he has hitting right around 350, maybe a little bit higher than that, leading the league, uh, at least in the top 10 in so many important offensive categories, it's great to see. And this guy is a weapon, not only offensively, but he can play multiple positions. He's a guy who can play first, he can play third. And if need be, he can play second as well. So, um, you know, just a level-headed guy, and um, he's been kind of the bulk of our offense right now. To be honest with you, um, you know we've got a couple of guys who are still trying to find their way offensively, and to watch Nash hit um, the way he has at one point, hitting over four hundred, and coming through in big opportune times, it's been really helpful for this um, you know Dunning ball club that currently sits under a game uh, a game under five hundred, but. You know, it might be worse if he wasn't in the lineup uh, nearly every day.
0: Let's talk pitching for your DJs. A great start recently by TJ Zoik. Tell me about it.
2: Yeah, it was great, man. I mean, you know, TJ, I saw that last year. when He was healthy, and he made those 12 starts. When he gets into a rhythm, I mean, he's on point, you know, and he'll retire eight guys, nine guys, ten guys in a row, and he's a guy who works very quickly. You know, pitching coach Mark Riggins, Uh, And this goes back to last year when Mark was here as well. And he preaches to these guys, "Hey, work quick! You know, get the baseball back, get into a rhythm, and go. You know, don't let the hitter get comfortable." And TJ takes that to heart. And TJ is a quick worker. And when he gets into his rhythm, he not only is very successful, obviously in terms of you know retiring eight straight and keeping the team in the game, but. He sets the tone, especially in the first couple of innings. When you know he's on, he's on. He sets the tone for that ball game, and the offense kind of follows. So that was a lot of fun watching him pitch the other night. It was a quality start. Um, he battled out there at times late in the game when he was getting a little bit tired. And um, TJ is really impressed. Again, he's very healthy right now. That's the big thing with him, stay healthy. Um, he's, I think he's impressed a lot of people here in the early going
0: in Dunedin. Who else has stood out to you from your pitchers?
2: Um, Josh DeGraff, again. <laughs> Last night, he uh, gave up the first run of his start in the sixth inning. I, I mean, it was and it was a home run. It was another quality start for him. And, again, it's just one of those things in regards to Josh DeGraff that you kind of know um, – every day, every fifth day, he's going to go out there and give you a, a quality start. And at least if not that give your team a chance to win. So he has stood out Jackson McClelland, uh, your former friend, he stood out as well. He touched 99 miles an hour. Um, you know, so so he's, 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 yeah, he's stood out. Kirby Snead has, has stood out as well. um, so we've got a couple of guys here uh, and Nate Pearson also um, there was some news on him that he is growing an extended spring trying to make his way back, so our rotation is very good our our e r a for the rotation uh, anyway is hovering right around three point two three point three so that tells me that you know there's quality starts being dealt out there almost every night, and um the offense you're hoping can can follow and and you know get their footing underneath them so you know, this rotation and a couple of these guys in the bullpen, as I mentioned with McClellan and Snead, they have been uh, excellent. They've stood out to me.
0: To summarize, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but the fact that you're 6-7 and seven and that you're saying that the offense, by and large, has been slow, you're waiting for Nate Pearson to come. It seems like this is a Dunedin team that as the months pass, let's say when we get into May, that's when you'll start to find your stride.
2: Well, you hope so. I mean, there are guys right now in this lineup, like a Bradley Jones you know, he's 10 for 52 in 13 games. That's not Bradley Jones. He's just struggling a bit, right? I mean, that's it's that's just what it is. He's just struggling right now. But he's going to turn it around. He hit a home run that was just a monster shot uh, the first weekend of the season, actually on our home opener um, a couple of weekends ago in batting practice. He's hitting the ball to all fields. He's hitting the ball over the wall deep in left. I mean, he can hit. I mean, Riley Adams, another guy, 9 for 39 in 10 games. These are two guys, tonight they're batting 3-4. Logan Warmuth, 8 for 43 in 12 games. They're batting 2-3-4 tonight. They're going to turn it around. They've got the talent. You know, but sometimes you're just a little bit slow offensively to get things started, especially in this league. As you know, Jesse, the FSL, it's, all, it's a tough league um, for hitters. The V-low is very, very good. The off-speed stuff is very, very good. This might be arguably the toughest league in high eight in the entire country. So um, sometimes the offensively, it's not like last year when we had a bunch of older guys in the beginning of the year offensively, you're going to get off you have to expect to get off with some guys anyway to a little bit of a slower start and that's kind of what it's been here this year but we know the talent is there and they can turn this thing around
0: Jim Terabokia at Jim Terra on Twitter, voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays and you can find them at DunedinBlueJays.com Jim, and we can, we can call you if you want, I can start calling you Brockmire every single week thank you very much for joining me and telling us about your DJs Hey, listen,
2: you can call me that, but just don't call me
0: late for supper. You know what I'm saying? No, sir, you've got it. Jim Tarabokia following Tyler Murray to the table. And before we are joined by AAA voice, <laughs> voice of the herd, Pat Malacaro. First, I want to tell you about something very important. And that is, if you go to Bluebird Banter right now, the minor leaguer is my guy over at Bluebird Banter. And he has introduced the Blue Jays minor league team tracker. That way you can figure out how to plan a baseball road trip. You want to see the Toronto Blue Jays? You want to see some of these affiliates? You can go to it, point in any day, any weekend, any week. You can figure out exactly which affiliates are playing where. And that way you can set your whole road trip right up for yourself. It's terrific. Bluebird banter, minor leaguers, Blue Jays minor league team tracker. Let's say you want to see those AAA Buffalo Bisons, and they're playing baseball again. Uh, Let me bring in the voice of the herd, Pat Malacaro. Pat, you have baseball today.
3: Yeah, Jesse, I think that Bluebird tracker, uh, the Blue Jays farm system uh, would be helpful for me to figure out where I am, which city I'm in, and on what day coming up down the road. I was looking
0: over the schedule since last we talked, the Buffalo Bisons played last Friday and you haven't mm-hmm. played since then. That's right. Uh,
3: the weather, as most people might know by now, has been pretty, pretty brutal in the Western New York area. Not just the, the snow, because really we haven't had a lot of snow, but the temperatures hovered around freezing for the better part of two weeks. It got a little bit better when uh, the herd was on the road for the opening road trip. Um, but, Really, with the temperatures around 32 the whole time, field never got a chance to warm up. And when we got some uh, sleet and freezing rain-snow mix, that was just a combination that that made it difficult. And the field just was not in in playable shape. So, unfortunately for Buffalo, uh, the final two games against Indianapolis were uh, washed out. Those will be made up at victory field coming up in July. Unfortunately, also the three-game series against Louisville was completely shut down. Only one of those three will be made up because, coincidentally, Buffalo will travel to Indianapolis and Louisville on the same road trip. And for folks that don't know the rules in minor league baseball, you can only play three double headers uh, within a seven day span. So, those three double headers, two of them will come in Indianapolis, and then one will be in Louisville on that seven game road trip uh, that was previously scheduled. So, uh, unfortunately for the Bisons, their 140 game schedule is now at least down to 138.
0: In checking in with the players and the coaches, has anybody experienced a schedule this affected by weather before?
3: No, not 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 to this effect. Even guys that might be from the Northeast, sure, you might have indoor practices when you're, you know, in your high school team, and the weather's not that great in the springtime after your spring training. But no one has experienced anything like this, uh, especially in, in professional baseball, um, you know, not playing for a full week. Uh, it's like they're back at instructional, so to speak. So uh, this is uncharted territory for everyone. But I'll say this. Manager Bobby Meacham talked about it the other day. Look, you can build an excuse for yourself if you want, but that's all it is uh, in his eyes, an excuse. At some some point, you're going to get back to baseball action. That's tonight. And there might be some rust early in the ballgame. There's no question. That's not an excuse. That's just a fact. It's what you do with it from there that will determine uh, how well this team is mentally ready to play. Well, headlines for you. You've got Ryan Barucki
0: on the mound. Anthony Alford has joined you. Dalton Pompey has joined you. Is this feeling like a second opening day?
3: It really is. Um, you know, with Barucci on the mound tonight, he was very good in his first start. Uh, only gave up a couple of runs and really pitched well enough to get the win. Buffalo just didn't score uh, in his outing against Pawtucket. You mentioned Alford and Pompey. We know what Dalton Pompey can do at the AAA level. We've seen it at the big league level in spurts as well. Can he finally stay healthy? I guess that really will be the big question, only playing 13 games total last season. I'm really excited to see Anthony Alford. I didn't get a chance to see him at the end of last season. I joined the herd for a couple of games when the September call-ups happened. He made his way to Buffalo from Double I'm really excited to see. There's been a, he's been a big-time prospect on the radar uh, now that Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette are in the mix, you know they've sort of eclipsed him, but the tools are there. The, the pieces are there that he offered. I'm looking forward to seeing it finally uh, for my own two eyes.
0: Well, we're looking forward to hearing you on the airwaves as well. Bisons.com. You can find Pat Malacaro as well on Twitter at PatWGR. Pat, and thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thanks, Jesse. Talk to you next week.
0: You've got it. The voice of the herd, AAA Buffalo. I'm Jesse goldberg Strassler, and this is Around the Nest. Jay talking our way around the organization. Our partner, SB Nation's Bluebird Banter. We're very appreciative. The minor leaguer, everybody getting us set up. We'll have some questions coming in for the single-A Lansing Lugnuts as well. But as we turn our attention to the Lansing Lugnuts, I have the chance to sit down with position coach Dave Pano. To talk about this Lugnuts team, Pano joining the Lugnuts following seven years with the Vancouver Canadians, and here were his thoughts. This is Jesse goldberg Strassler, joined by Lansing Lugnuts position coach, Dave Pano.
4: Position coach, what are all your different responsibilities? Well, it's interesting because I've done everything in this organization. I've managed, I've, I've done hitting, I've done infield, I've done outfield, I've done base running. I'm doing catching this year for the first time, so basically I'm, I'm assistant Cesar in a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm kind of responsible for the infield positioning. Uh, I have the base running, I have the catching, and just overall just uh, trying to be almost like a bench coach for Cesar. Dave, when you look at this team's roster, what do you see? Well, a lot of them were with us in Vancouver last year we had a really nice club. I like our club. Uh, I still don't think we're as good as we're going to, to be, uh, obviously, later on. But uh, I like the makeup of the club. We have some speed. Uh, I think our starting picking is really good. Um, defensively, we've been, we haven't played great, but I think we will play well. So, I mean, I like our club. Who are specific guys you say don't worry about them in the early season? Come the midsummer, watch out. Clemens is a big one because he's... Uh, He's such a great guy with runners on base. I mean, he competes his, his tail off. Lundquist, when he gets hot, he can carry a team like he, like he did for us last year. Samad Taylor, a 19-year-old kid, that, uh, he's only going to get better. So, um, you know, this guy's just off the top of my head. Ryan Noda was not with you last year. He was in Bluefield. What are your impressions? Well, I saw him in spring training. I saw him in instructional league, so I know all about him. He's, he's a really good hitter. Um, I don't worry about him and the good thing now is he can play the outfield which I didn't know up until um, we got the spring training so uh, he's a baseball player he's a grinder he works his tail off and he's a winner too you mentioned Casey Clemens how do you like his defense at first base outstanding he's one of the best defensive guys we had in the Northwest League last year takes a lot of pride in it um, works really hard on it and you feel pretty good when you get a guy over there you know he's gonna make plays We've seen some good shortstops coming through. We saw Richard Arena. you had Logan Warmuth last year. Where does Kevin Smith fit in? Well, you know, of course I didn't have Kevin last year. I just saw him in spring training. But, you know what, he's a solid player. I don't think he has the flash that maybe a rich arena has. But, you know what, he can play third, he can play second, he can play short. But he's going to make the routine, everyday plays. He's going to be accurate with his arm. And so far, offensively, he's been great. Finally, with Lansing Lugnuts position, Coach Dave Pano Coming out to the ballpark, the game of baseball, is there something in particular that you say, this, I love this? Well, everybody that knows me knows if I could be on the field 24 hours a day, I would be on the field 24 hours a day. There's nothing better than coming out to the ballpark, and I'm thrilled to be in Lansing because I've never been here before. And, um, you know, if you love baseball, you like, to, you like to be out here every day. Dave, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.
0: That was Lansing Lugnuts' position coach, Dave Pano. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays organization. I'm Jesse goldberg Strassler, and let's talk about Pano's Lansing Lugnuts, the team that myself and Dante DiCaria broadcast the games for. There are some questions sent in via Bluebird banter. For one, Kevin Vicuña had an interesting game yesterday. He had four hits, although all singles, three errors, which now gives him five through 12 games. Not the type of day you'd expect from a glove-first prospect. Has his defense taken a step back? Has his offense taken a step forward? And I'll be an answering these questions. Let me welcome in Dante DiCaria. Dante, what do you think? Kevin Bacunia, defense, step back, offense, taking a step forward. What do you make of his uh, start to the season?
5: I think that it was just kind of a mental lap yesterday. I thought that his defense has been very strong this season. Maybe his throws haven't been as accurate as we would like in terms of from a broadcast perspective, from a fan perspective, or from a scouting perspective, but I think his defense is fine in in terms of getting to balls. Yesterday, again, like I just mentioned, just a a defensive lapse, just uh, really just couldn't find his rhythm. I, I was in the cages earlier today talking to him about it, and he made a joke saying, I got four hits, but I made four errors, and I'd rather go one for four and not make any errors, and that's the type of player I want to be. Yeah, I want to hit the ball, but I still don't want to let my team down defensively. And he talked about how uh, he's a team player, and because he made those four errors, four runs came in to score. They were unearned uh, via those four errors. So um, he uh, mentioned to me that he'd rather um, make all the plays and go 1-4 or oh for 4 As long as the team wins, he doesn't care.
0: Another question sent in, Samad Taylor from yesterday's unusual game drew a walk on ball three. Did you have the chance to talk with him about it?
5: Yeah, I bumped into him on the street earlier today uh, while I was grabbing lunch, and uh, he just kind of went with the flow. And I mean, Jesse, I think you would too. Any player would, would kind of go with the flow. Um, you're going to have to walk down to first, and if you turn around and say, hey, i uh, I think that's ball three, then the guys on your dugout are going to give it to you, and then the guys in the other dugout are going to give it to the umpire. So I, I think it was just better just to not say anything and just go down. And um, he said that that walk kept us on base, for, or on base streak alive. He's now reached base in uh, eight consecutive games. So uh, I, I worked out for everybody, but I was pretty surprised to see it.
0: There's uh, a question attached to that. Dante, have you ever seen a walk given out on ball three before?
5: Yes, I've seen it quite a bit. Um, A few times last year when I was broadcasting in the Intercounty Baseball League, uh, a few times when I was in the Can-Am League. And Jesse, believe it or not, I've actually seen it. This is the second time I've seen it in the uh, the Midwest League this season. I saw it earlier, I believe, last week in Fort Wayne. I was calling the balls and strikes, and they called a a walk. But it was on the third pitch, and I was sitting there going, wait a second, what is going on here? So I have seen it quite a bit before, especially, I mean, we're talking at least once or twice a game in the Intercounty League last year.
0: Word out to Midwest League umpires. Get that ball and strike counter. Get it close at hand. (laughs) Work it. Uh, A question related to walks, and it has to do with Ryan Noda and Casey Clemens. We just heard Dave Pano talking a little bit about both Noda and Clemens. The question is, are opposing starters being removed sooner? Because of high pitch counts, because of Noda and Clemens working them.
5: Yeah, I think that's uh, one positive to take. Well, there's lots of positives, but a huge positive to take away from uh, this Lansing Lugnuts offense is the number three and four hitters, Casey Clemens and Ryan Noda. How they're just continuing to to grind out at bats and and causing pitchers to either walk them or walk the next batter, and 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 you know bring the pitch count really high, and it and then it forces them. To go to their bullpen early but the one thing that i've noticed jesse is the fact that um they don't work the count as much against high maybe high profile relievers like a Karin check that we saw last night throwing 98 miles an hour out of the bullpen we saw casey clemens and ryan Nota strike out early uh in this in those at bats or ground into outs uh, against those high profile relievers whereas when they were facing a left-hander in perez who walked seven batters they keep they he couldn't just find the strike zone against those two batters. So it's a huge plus for them. I think that they have an excellent scouting report on the rest of the league. But I also think that um, they're just running into some pitchers that are running into some control issues early in the season. And we know uh, for some of these young arms in the Midwest League, that is uh, one thing that every coach is trying to work on with them.
0: Another question sent in, and the last question, but it's a three-pronged question. Maverick Bufo, Donnie Sellers, and Maximo Castillo. These guys all pitched this week too well, one not so well. For each of them, Dante, how do you see their seasons going, and do you think that their stuff plays as they move up?
5: Well, Jesse, how about I start off with Maximo Castillo. I'm actually watching him take a, a bullpen session right now, and uh, he, he looks sharp. He's keeping that fastball down in the zone, and as I'm watching him throw pitches right now, this pitch is set up down in the zone. Uh, from Matt Morgan. It's a sinker that cuts to the outside on, uh, on the batter. And, and then previously he just threw a, a really nice slider to the outside. And, and Tony uh, Kassaris, the pitching coach of the Lansing Lung, is making sure that Castillo just keeps that arm, arm angle proper. He doesn't get, you know, try to, to twist that uh, breaking ball. He doesn't try to force that changeup. So I think um, his success will be fine uh, going forward. As for uh, Donnie Sellers, who's also to my left right over here, he's been excellent. Uh, to start the season. He's using his, uh, his slider and fastball very well. He's got good fastball command. He's got good slider command. And uh, I think uh, going forward, those two are uh, maybe the biggest pluses or biggest stories in this rotation because they've moved back and forth from the bullpen. And then for the last name of Maverick Bufo, I um, don't really know what to make of Bufo's recent outings. Of course, in his first outing, was good. He just allowed that inside the park home run. Uh, but in, in his second outing that we saw earlier this week against Lake County, uh, maybe struggled a little bit. Um, couldn't find his control, especially on that, in that huge six-run inning. Um, but his first two innings were good, although yeah, he allowed maybe too many base runners. Um, I think uh, Sellers and Castillo have been great, and the ceiling is just going to keep going higher and higher for both of them. And uh, Bufo is de- definitely going to have to uh, just continue to work on things and uh, get his control right.
0: Dante, thank you very much. This has been Around the Nest for another week. For Dante DiCaria in Lansing, and Jim Carbo in Eden, Tyler Murray in New Hampshire, and lastly, Pat Malacaro in Buffalo, I'm Jesse Goldberg-Bassler. Check out that minor league team tracker on Bluebird Banter, and enjoy the baseball.